Well, hello again, everybody. This is Tony Brown. I'm host of Firearms Cafe. That's the fabulous podcast you've chosen to listen to. Today is Saturday, the 12th of March, 2011. All right, guys. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about ATF, uh, TSA, a TV show that I watched recently called Sons of Guns. Uh, We'll also talk about some of the bills that have gone through and that are are going through here in Arizona where I live. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, you can do so a couple of different ways. You can call in through the voicemail that we've got and leave a message for me, and I'll play it on the show for you. That's 206-339-3266. Again, 206-339-3266. And I also use this voicemail for my other show, which is The Armed Ape. I'd invite you to go ahead and give that a listen. Now, that one is a little bit more adult in nature, uh, so it's not exactly... uh, you know, for the most part, it's work-friendly, uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's more, again, like I said, it's more adult in nature. Um, if you would like to send an email, and you can attach an MP3, and I can play that for you on the show, or if you just want to send an, uh, an email and have me read it out for you, I can do that. Uh, that's at firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Oh, if you can go over to iTunes and uh, do a, leave a review for me, uh, and not just rate it. Sometimes if you go over there and you can just click on the star and rate it, you know, whatever star level you want to give it. But if you can actually do a, a written review, it doesn't have to be a real long one. Uh, it does help the show and it does help with exposure. Uh, also, one more thing on the begging front, and then I will go ahead and we'll, we'll uh, jump into the show. If you go over to uh, firearmscafe.com and you scroll down, you'll see that there's an ad there. And uh, if you can click on that, it helps me defer some of the cost of the show. Uh, I'm not selling those individual things, but each time somebody clicks on the ad, it does generate a, a minuscule amount of revenue for me. Uh, and it does help you know pay for things like the, uh, the hosting, the domain names, uh, things like that. So... I sure would appreciate it if you could do that, and if you do that or have done it in the past, I want to say thank you very much for that. Also, if you know anybody who uh, you think would like the show, would be interested in it, go ahead and uh, you know recommend the show for them. Feel free to, if you wanted to, to uh, burn it down to a CD uh, and then uh, you know give it to somebody if you think they would like it. Um, like I said, the more people we can kind of get exposed, the better it'll be for us. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the show, and let's talk about something that I'm surprised just it really hasn't been getting hardly any media coverage. And this is something that I, and I don't know if it's maybe that that there's still more stuff to be uncovered and stuff is going to kind of come down the pipe a little bit later, but that's the uh, the ATF cover-up with the gunwalker thing or the gun runner or the whatever, whatever they're going to call it. And uh, for those of you guys that maybe that don't know, I, I covered this a little bit on, on uh, the last show, which was episode 50. Uh, but basically, they were uh, the ATF, it had been brought to their attention that there were some, some suspicious sales. So uh, some of the gun shops around here, some people were coming in and they were wanting to buy you know X amount of guns and paying cash for them. And uh, it, was, it seemed to them to be more that they would probably have than for personal use. And so... Uh, they contacted uh, the ATF and say, hey, this, uh, this stuff is going on. You might want to take a look at this. Well, what the ATF did is they said, okay, 
keep selling to these guys and what we'll do is we'll track them and we'll track where the guns go and that way we'll be able to get intelligence and do all this other stuff and then we can stop them so the gun shops cooperated with them well when a lot of this stuff broke about oh there's all these guns going down from arizona and texas and places like that and they're going down into mexico and these are what are supplying the drug cartels they were basically putting a lot or, or, or taking to task i guess i should say a lot of these uh, the, the local gun shops and of course the gun shops weren't really saying anything because they didn't want probably to um, uh, ruin an investigation or, or compromise an investigation but what we found out again and later this comes out after the fact uh, is that ATF was telling them okay go ahead and let this stuff go through now I haven't really seen any um, retractions in any of the paper or any of the stories or any of this stuff the mainstream the basic mainstream media hasn't done it i was really surprised uh, when uh, when the news agency that did cover it uh, actually did it and i think that was cbs uh, i was actually surprised that they were going to do it but I, and I am kind of still a little perplexed uh, about why there's nothing else coming out but a part of the story was that a lot of the agents on the ground were saying, this is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. We can't, once all these guns were, there's so many are going through that we're not going to be able to track them all. And if they go across the border, there is a very high likelihood that some of these guns uh, could be used to kill a federal agent or to kill one of the law enforcement agencies that works down there. One thing that they did talk about, that they did not, excuse me, talk about, uh, was the fact that while they thought that there may be a high probability that federal agents, you know, American agents or Border Patrol people might get hurt by some of these weapons if they get in the wrong hands and they lose control of them, there was almost a 100% probability that these weapons, once in the hands of the cartel, that the ATF allowed to go down there and allowed to go across the border, again, there was almost a 100% chance that those were going to be used against the the citizenry of Mexico, just the innocent people, the people that aren't in the cartels, the people that, when the car, uh, I, I think on Michael Bain's show, he was talking about there was some 81 or 82-year-old farmer that the cartel came up to him and said, hey, we want your house, we're going to take it over. The guy said no, and uh, they ended up killing him. Uh, so who's to say that maybe some of those weapons weren't ATF weapons that were used again on the uh, the citizenry down there in Mexico? So you know it really speaks to the callousness and the uncaring of of you know our agencies. It, it, it really speaks to the fact that the ATF or the BATFE, whatever you want to say it, really needs to be restricted and reined in. And while the agency does do a lot of good, it also, if it has no restraint, if, you know, like we talked about the Patriot Act, if, 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 the, if the officers can write their own warrants and do whatever they want to do, where are the checks and balances? And we see what happens when there are no checks and balances. We see that, that you know, in, in this case, we have a Border Patrol agent that was killed. And... Uh, you know, so there are consequences for these things. And again, that's why we have the checks and balances. That's why we have due process. Uh, but I did, I did want you guys to think about that, that you know, a lot of times uh, you know, the, the, uh, some of the agents 
their concern or what we heard voiced from them was that, you know, how are you going to feel if one of our officers is killed? How are you going to, you know, deal with the fact that you, what your actions did got an officer killed? Uh, but I wish they would have in included more people in that group because you have the innocent people down there in Mexico, the poor farmers, uh, and people down there who are caught in the middle. You know, and they can't do anything. They don't have any recourse to fight back. Uh, and if they do, uh, much like that farmer, they're going to be killed. Uh, but I did want you guys maybe to kind of think about that. And I would urge you, if it bothers you, contact your, your uh, congressman, contact your, your, uh, your senator, and say, hey, you know, take a look at ATF. Rein these guys in. Uh, and again, what we see is they're stonewalling ATF. The higher-ups are, are stonewalling. Uh, I think Senator, is it Grassy, uh, is kind of leading the charge right now. Hopefully more people will get involved with that. I'd love to see uh, Rand Paul and, and Ron Paul kind of get involved in, in some of that stuff as well. Now, kind of speaking of those guys, as you know, uh, or may not know, Ron Paul had uh, drafted some legislation concerning TSA, about trying to get them uh, basically to stop violating our Fourth Amendment rights. And because it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a government agency, it is not a, a private agency or a security firm that's been hired by the airlines. This is basically a federal agency that's saying this is what you submit to. If you want to do this, you, you basically give up your Fourth Amendment rights. And we've heard you know, on YouTube videos and things like that, that a lot of the uh, the supervisors and the higher ups in the uh, in the TSA say, look, when you when you buy a ticket, you forfeit all your rights, and that's that's just ridiculous. You know, um, now supposedly there's there's uh, rumors, and uh, and I don't know, I don't really have a way to verify it, but supposedly in a lot of the airports, a lot of the full body scanners and the enhanced pat-downs aren't being done, hardly at all. Um, and a lot of times the uh, travelers are coming back and reporting and saying that, oh, the machines weren't even in operation. So, uh, you know, at least there has been some pushback, at least. Uh, and I don't know if they're maybe just kind of saying, well, here's what let's do. Let's kind of wait for a little bit. And then uh, once the next shiny thing comes up, then we'll go ahead and go right back to doing this. Hopefully not. Again, uh, urge I'd urge you to contact your uh, your U.S. representative and your U.S. Uh, senators, but also your state reps and your state senators, and say, hey, this you know we don't uh, we don't approve of this, and we're not going to stand for this. You know, we're not going to have our our civil rights and our civil liberties violated. Uh, now I forget which state it is. Um, and I heard a little bit about it, uh, and I, I apologize, I cannot remember what state it was, but supposedly I think they're looking at um, signing into or, or having some legislation. I don't know if it's actually passed, but in one of these states they're saying that if the TSA agents do what we'll, we'll term for a lack of a better, a better phrase is if they do the enhanced pat-downs, that the TSA agent would be liable uh, for assault, for an assault charge against that person. Um, so we'll see if, if that goes through. We'll see if there would actually ever be any arrests. Um, if they were going to threaten me if I worked at that job and they were going to threaten me with arrest if I did a thing, I just wouldn't do it. Um, as, as many of you guys know, I, I think I talked about on some previous shows, I used to work airport security years and years ago. And... 
with the with with the metal detector and with the wand you can pretty much find just about anything and i know they're going to say oh the underwear bomber or the shoe bomber or this or that and it, it's really it's all a dog and pony show um if these guys want to blow up a plane they're going to do it um that, you know that's not to say oh there there shouldn't be any safeguards or anything like that but again like i've i've spoken about on numerous occasion how much how much personal freedom how much personal liberty are you willing to trade for the promise of temporary security and what this does is this takes us back to what franklin said and this was you know way back in 1775 and what he said was, and this is a, a direct quote, is they who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Uh, and, and what he is saying back then is as relevant as it was then as it is today, and probably even more so today. Uh, we have become so used to being regulated. We've become so willing to say, well, I'll give up this little bit and, and, and gain this over here. Uh, but really, when you're giving up essential liberties, and those are things that you have to have in order to be free. So something that's essential means you can't do without it. And when people are going to give up those things that are essential to liberty, and when they're doing that for the promise of, again, and what he says is this temporary safety. And what he means by that is that eventually something else is going to come up. Eventually there's going to be another wolf at the door. And eventually you're going to have to give up and lay down more freedoms and more liberties and more rights. It's a slow process. And all of a sudden one day you turn around and you look around and everything is gone. Everything is regulated. Everything you can't... It's to the point to where you can't imagine the government not taking care of something for you. It gets to the point to where if there's a problem, your first solution that pops into your head is, well, hey, the government should take care of that, or why isn't somebody doing that? Why doesn't somebody fix that? Your first solution isn't, I'm going to take care of that. Or I can take care of this particular problem. I don't need somebody else to do it for me. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead. That's kind of enough of that for right now. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, a show that I recently... I've only seen a couple of episodes of it. And uh, that's that Sons of Guns show. Now I've only seen a couple of episodes of this thing. And again, I, I'm divided on this. I, I don't really think it's going to be a show that I'm going to watch. One aspect, every, you know, they're they're kind of portrayed as sort of, you know, redneck and hillbilly type guys, and you know the, the good old southern boy, um, and I don't know. It, it comes across sometimes as it, it's it's very stereotypical, I guess, for lack of a better word, and and it kind of comes in a little bit of a negative connotation now. The shows, a couple of shows that I saw, I will give credit kind of, and again, I've only seen two shows, so I can't speak to the to the whole series or anything or how this guy reacts, the main guy who's named Will. 
uh, I guess is the owner of, of the uh, of the business. Um, there were a couple of things where uh, one of his employees kind of messed up on something, and to his credit, he didn't go off the handle. He didn't, uh, um, you know, make a big deal just for the camera. Um, on that same level, though, and this is kind of not just with this show, but with a lot of these reality shows, it's there's no reality to it. Uh, everything there. You're aware of the camera. You're not ever going to not be aware. It's you know the thing of where oh it just disappears. No, I don't. I don't care how often um, a, a guy with a camera is following me. I'm always going to be aware that he's there. Uh, you know. So uh, again, that's not necessarily a criticism against this particular show, but it's one of those things where they're like, oh, do you know what day it is? It's so-and-so's birthday. Oh, my goodness, I didn't know. Oh, I better get him such and such. Okay, you know, really, that's... Who cares? Um, now, on two shows, I saw two very different things. Uh, and I guess, I, I, I think it's called Red Jacket or something is the name of the business. And again, I don't know enough about the show to say, oh, this is what they do, but... Um, I don't know if they really sell guns to the public or, or what they do, but on one occasion, a man, and it looked like either his girlfriend or his wife had come in, and uh, they were nicely dressed, uh, and, and she was saying, oh, I'd like to get a gun for home defense, I'm looking at a 9mm, and she and he's like, oh, you want something with a little bit more punch, and, and so I don't know, because I don't know what all was said, you could tell it was kind of edited down, but... And then he, and then what the guy does, Will does, is he pulls out maybe it looks like a cig or something, but it's got a suppressor on it. And then the guy, and she's like, "Ooh, I like that." And then the guy is kind of like shaking his head, like, "What do you need that for? What are you doing this for?" And uh, eventually, they kind of go there. They go out of the out of the business. Now not knowing a whole lot about and, and he asked the guy he said well have you ever fired a gun the guy's like no i've never even shot a handgun before and then it, it basically it shows them and then later they leave and then the will guy kind of comes on and says oh sometimes you know people aren't ready for the firearm world or the firearm world aren't ready for them and he just sort of sends in because we just send them on our way we cut our losses and i thought you know what that's not that probably shouldn't have been the right response because you had an opportunity there to at least be an ambassador and to say, hey, here's some people that you could go and you could go train with, or here's you know some people you could contact, or here's a place where you can go and try out some firearms so that you kind of get a little bit more of a feel. Uh, and then later in that same show, they had probably one of the one of the top trainers in the United States was coming in to have some rifles made to see if he was going to have like what they were making for him. Uh, and that's Tiger McGee of uh, Shoot Right Academy. And uh, Tiger had configured a, uh, a uh, AR-15 a certain way, and then he was, I guess, going to have these guys do a trial run to see if they could kind of mass produce them for him. Um, but anyway, you know, he was going to have Tiger McGee again, one of the top trainers, and he didn't he didn't refer those people to them. And again, I don't know because of the edit. I don't know if maybe what they were talking about when the guy was shaking his head is if she was wanting to get a suppressor. And he had kind of said, well, we don't really sell guns or this or that. We primarily sell the, the suppressors. We have the guns here to show. Uh, so it wasn't made clear. But what it looked like is uh, 
is they came in, asked for a gun, and then he kind of just said, eh, you know, you, you saw just a tiny reaction, and then all of a sudden they were out the door. Uh, well, then on, an, uh, on the next show that I saw, because they were, they were showing them back to back, and so I thought, well, I'll go ahead and, and watch this. And a gal comes in, and she's like, oh, I'm looking for a gun, and I know you guys you know, make guns or build guns, and I'm wondering if you've got anything. I want something for home defense. And she goes on to tell the story that she had been robbed, and she was a single mom, and they had broken when she was gone, and she just wanted to have something. And at this time, he actually did take the time and say, hey, have you ever shot guns? You know, we don't really... And this is, and this is where it made more sense maybe to what had happened the first time where he's talking about, we don't really sell these guns here, they're just demos for our suppressors. And what he does, though, it shows him, and he's writing down on a paper, he's saying, like, this is some people that can that can help you, train you, they, they do advanced, you know, from uh, and they do beginning, they do everything, and so they can help you a lot. And you can go there. And he kind of sends her on her way. And I thought, well, why didn't he do that with the other people? You know, but again, it's hard to know with the edit... Uh, but I thought on the first show he kind of he kind of came across as you know okay get out of here if you're not going to do this or if you don't kind of speak the same culture language the firearms cultural language that that uh, that we are aware of uh, and then on the second show that I saw you see him that he actually helps the the lady out so uh, I don't know again the show for me. It's not going to be one that I think I'm going to watch, uh, and it's not going to be one even if I'm kind of flipping through the channels and it lands on it that I'm really going to be interested in watching. And they, you know, he could be the nicest guy in the world, but again, it just seems like it's uh, kind of the redneck, good old Southern boy thing right out of Central Casting. So I, you know, hopefully the show will be positive. I, I don't know um, whether it will long term or not. Uh, uh, anyway. If you guys got any thoughts on it, or if, if you guys know any more about the show, uh, or, or you like the show, or you watched it, or maybe I'm, I'm kind of wrong on it, uh, or if you think my take is wrong on it, you know, drop me a line. Let me know. Uh, I don't think I'll be like I said. I don't think I'll be watching it. It's not really my cup of tea. Um, you know, just kind of there's, there's there seems to be kind of a, that big like oh, we got us some guns kind of thing to the thing and I, you know to that show and I don't really care for that all that much all right uh let's see what else did I want to talk about today there is one thing and this is a, a short article that I'm going to read to you uh and you may want to try and do a little bit more research on your own um but I'll just go ahead and, and read it here it says states seek to amend constitution and this is the uh the main body of the uh of the article here it says at least 26 state legislators are looking to call a convention under Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution to propose new amendments, according to a news release issued Tuesday by the Goldwater Institute in Phoenix. Ideas under consideration include new amendments that would require a majority of states to approve new federal debt, force Congress excuse me, to balance the federal budget every year, and allow action by two-thirds of states to repeal any federal law or rule the release said. Research from the Goldwater Institute is guiding the state's efforts. On Tuesday, the Institute released a new report amending the Constitution by convention, uh, a practical, practical guidance for citizens and policymakers. 
Uh, to view that report and the Institute's other research, you can go to www.goldwaterinstitute.org, and I will put a link to that uh, in the show notes. So I thought it was interesting, and on the surface it seems uh, like it's a good idea, and I think basically what they're saying is that if the federal government tries to push stuff through, so things like Obamacare, things like they're going to say, well, uh, we're not going to spend what we're bringing in. We're just going to spend, spend, spend. We're going to print up money. We're going to increase the debt. And we're not going to uh, address you know, the deficit, things like that. But if the federal government is doing that, and then if enough states get involved, they can then say, look, you have to do this. You have to do uh, A, B, and C. So we'll, and I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, you know when we when when we're getting power back down to a state level, uh, you and I as individual citizens can affect things a little bit more. Um, you know, we can actually meet with those representatives. We can meet with the uh, with those people. We can go down to their offices so we can actually get some face time with some of those guys. And so I think, you know, it's much easier for me to go ahead and meet my state rep or my state senator maybe than it is for me to get a hold of McCain or Kyle. Um, but, you know, a, a guy, uh, you know, in my district or something like that, they I may be willing to kind of, again, get a little bit of FaceTime with him or, or make my feelings more known to that person. So uh, then I don't just become a, a faceless blob, I become somebody to that person. And uh, again... Pulling stuff back away from the federal government. You know, the federal government has gotten so big and so bloated. And, and that's when we see things, you know, when that happens, we see things like the assault weapons ban. We see things uh, like them wanting to, uh, uh, you know, to ban mag certain magazine capacities. And, you know, one of these things, it, it was, uh, oh, what's this guy's name? He's out of New York, Representative Pete King or something like that. Uh, I think he's a, uh, a congressman. And uh, he was one of these guys that right after the shooting was, was doing that. Uh, I think it was him that was doing the stuff where he didn't, you couldn't come within a thousand feet of a, of a, uh, a representative. It's on one of my previous shows what I talked about. But, uh, you know, and this guy is now the, I think he's on the head of the committee for Homeland Security. He's a Republican, but he was still willing basically to immediately sell out Second Amendment rights and to sell out... Uh, you and I just because I, you know, fear in the air, you know, wasn't willing to to look past anything. And I don't think his stuff got anywhere or went anywhere. Uh, but again, you know, in a crisis, a lot of times you're going to see these people's true natures. Uh, and so I, I do think that maybe having something like that where the states can uh, can band together and say, no, this isn't right. You're violating the Constitution, and you know we're not going to follow this decree. Um, All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you got something out of it. Like I said, if you uh, want to contact me or you want to throw in your two cents, go ahead and give me a call, 206-339-3266, or send in an email, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I'll go ahead and leave you guys with a song. Uh, I've kind of changed up the format a little bit. Instead of kind of doing the song in the middle, I've, I've, uh, I, like, I still like to play music and uh, put it on there. I know some of you guys really enjoy it. Uh, but I figure if I put it toward the end, if somebody doesn't like it, they can kind of fast forward through it. You know, one last thing before we, uh, before I go ahead and play the song. A couple of shows ago, I was talking about how 
a lot of times people think, oh, you're so lucky to live in Arizona. You're you're very fortunate. Uh, you, you've got it really good. And, you know, we've, we've put people into uh, representative positions that uh, are pro-gun. We've got a good pro-gun governor. Um, but there, there are still those in our state government that seek to uh, restrict our individual liberties, individual rights that seek to, uh, and they seek to restrict those through, especially through when firearms are concerned. Uh, if you'll go over to uh, Arizona Citizens Defense League, uh, and if you'll go over to their website, and that's, uh, and like I said, I do have a, just a link to them just on the regular website, so you can go over on the site and, and you can just click right to them. Um, but you can go over into their bills section, and you can see a lot of the bills that have been uh, that are being brought up, and you see bills that uh, you you can see a lot of the things that they've requested. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on again with uh, oh, campuses, you know, so universities, uh, colleges, universities, um, things uh, what they're wanting to define school as. Uh, there was one bill where they were they wanted to define school. Right now, school in Arizona is only K through 12, so kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, but they wanted there was a bill that they wanted to extend uh, the definition of school towards uh, to go to, to universities and community colleges, things like that. Um, there's also stuff coming down the pike of um, they want to do. Uh, Oh, well, I'm going to look it up here. Uh, it's House Bill 2691, uh, authored by, I think, Miranda. And it says, would require any person who sells three or more high-caliber firearms to report the sale to Department of Public Safety, which is our, our uh, state police. Uh, high-caliber is very loosely defined, uh, and they, it seems like it would include just about any firearm. Um Farley brought up Bill 20, House Bill 2711, uh, which would ban magazines with a capacity greater than 10 rounds. Um, now, I had talked about before on the last show about Representative, um, or Senator Sinema, S-I-N-E-M-A. Uh, she would make fraudulent, and again, that's going to be broadly defined, Fraudulent firearm sales, both retail and private, a crime of racketeering. Uh, and, and basically what that would do is it would pretty much eliminate any type of private sale. Um, but what we, you know, one thing what we see is, is a lot of, a lot of people who are, are uh, authoring negative legislation, we see it's the same few people. Uh, so it makes it very easy uh, if you live in that district and you see that that person names come up. It's it's real easy to see what they're doing. Uh, so another another uh, Senator Gallardo has two things. One of them, uh, fifteen eighty six, requires uh, uh, Nick's background checks on all firearm sales, including private sales, at any firearm show. Uh, so pretty much. You know that would end private sales uh, because most. If I was going to try and sell you a, a, you know, a pistol or something at one of these shows, 
how am I going to be able to contact them? And, and effectively, I can't as an individual citizen. Um, they're probably not going to do that, allow me to do that because they would say, well, it violates that other person's privacy. So in effect, everything would have to go through a, uh, uh, an, FL, an FFL dealer. Uh, so again, it would pretty much end, or, uh, end uh, private sales. Um, the, uh, Gallardo also has authored uh, 1587, which is what we were talking about before, which adds community colleges and universities to the definitions of schools. Um, Gallardo again would make it, uh, Senate Bill 1588 would make it a crime to enter any state building, including the House of Representatives wing and the Senate wing of the state capitol building carrying a deadly weapon. So this could be anything. It wouldn't necessarily have to be a gun. You could have a... Uh, it's just going to depend on what their definition of deadly weapon is. It could be a pocket knife. It could be, uh, you know, if you had a, a stainless steel pen or a flashlight, you know, who's to say that they're not going to say that that's a deadly weapon? Um, but, you know, uh, so we, we do have our opposition. But if you go over to that site, what you're going to see is that there are a lot more pro uh, pro gun law and pro gun legislation and, and pro rights legislation than there are anti. And again, what you do is you you start to see a lot of the same names start popping up. Uh, and some of you guys maybe who live outside of Arizona may say, well, you know, what's, why why should I care what goes on in Arizona? I live in uh, Massachusetts or I live in uh, such and such, or, you know, I, I live in, I'm trying to think, Wisconsin or something like that. Well, uh, again, the, the more states that uh, have pro-gun laws, uh, so the more our numbers grow, the more data that we get. And then when maybe the constitutional carry wants to come to your state, if there's, uh, and I think there's one more state now who... Uh, who, who passed constitutional carry. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and look that up real quick. Hold on just a second. All right, it looks like that Wyoming has actually passed it. And I think there are several other states that are trying to get it. I think Kentucky is pushing it. I think Iowa. I know, I'm pretty sure Utah, Oklahoma is doing it. I think uh, Colorado as well. And uh, maybe West Virginia as well. Um, there may be other states that are doing it, but they may not be calling it necessarily constitutional carry. Uh, but, again, the more states that do it and the more that push that legislation even if it doesn't go through um i think even tennis i think maybe tennessee um would do it i, I don't know uh anyway um but as as more and more states do it um it's it's going to become more and more commonplace and the data is going to uh, grow and grow and grow and so what will happen is much like with concealed carry permitting you're going to see that as more and more states get it it used to be you know just vermont and alaska well now it's vermont alaska arizona 
now it's Vermont, Alaska, Arizona, and uh, uh, Wyoming. So, uh, again, the data is going to grow. The data is going to grow. Uh, eventually, it's going to. I think it's going to get to the point, probably within the next maybe four or five years, where I think the majority of states will go to a constitutional carry, and what we'll see is nothing will happen. Uh, there's not going to be blood in the streets. People aren't going to go crazy. Um, I know that I said I was going to maybe try and go to a close, but I do want to talk about this a little bit more. You know, all this stuff, and when we talk about constitutional carry, it's basically for law-abiding citizens. We all already know that people that are criminals, they don't care about the law. They don't care. If they don't care about breaking into your home, if they don't care about murdering you, if they don't care about kidnapping you, if they don't care about raping you, they're not going to care that they shouldn't carry a gun. In fact, because they live in a dangerous world, a much more dangerous world probably than you and I live in, uh, because the, the level of confrontation that those career criminals have chosen, they're going to they're gonna carry a gun anyway. Uh, and so what we see again is all this constitutional stuff Constitutional carry stuff is geared toward that law-abiding citizen. Well, the reason that you're not going to have tons and tons of incidents is because you have to you have to be able to legally possess a firearm in order to do these constitutional carries. So the people that are eligible to possess a firearm are, by definition, law-abiding. So that you're not going to have people, even with with their carrying concealed or not. You're not going to have people that are flying off the handle, that are going crazy, that are shooting people over french fries in parking spaces. It, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and to say that, oh, if... And again, the media portrays it, and it's so disingenuous, the media portrays it as anybody in that state, when, once they get constitutional carry, that anybody can have it. And again, it's just it's not the case. Um, so... Anyway, what I will do, I just wanted to kind of throw that in. just kind of popped into my head toward the end. Uh, but if you are in a state that is considering that, again, I would urge you, contact your representatives, contact your senators, contact uh, everybody that you can think of. Uh, contact the local mayor, contact the city council people, uh, and, and uh, tell them that you want them to support these, these positions. Uh, when... Uh, when when you do stuff like that, when we do stuff like that, you know, if one or two of us does it, and eh, not that much. If one or two thousand of us are doing it, then it sends a message. Okay, guys, hope you enjoy this song, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Take care.
Superhuman strength. Utini! 